0: All right, good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and my wife Sherry will be joining us. And we're going to be continuing our Bible study tonight on "Effortless Change" by Andrew Womack. We're going to be in chapter seventeen tonight. And just so you know, all of our Bible studies and our uh, teachings are archived on our website at LighthouseDiscipleship org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And uh, just. So, we also want to say thank you to those who have partnered with us with their ties and their offerings. In case you're wondering how to do so, you can simply go to our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, go to our give page, and you can give directly online from anywhere in the world. At the same point in time, if you'd rather send us a check, you can simply uh, go again to our website and uh, make the checks payable to uh, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And on the bottom of every page on our website, on the footer, is our mailing address. Maybe you can find us there. So anyway, um, without further ado, we're going to be going into our Bible study tonight. I just want to make one other announcement. I made this announcement this morning. I'll be making this announcement over the next couple months. Uh, In January, we are going to be starting a brand new Bible Academy. Excuse me. Bible Academy. And this Bible Academy will be free. It will be online. It will be uh, basically run through our website. Uh, we're gonna have more information going on that soon we don't have a lot of details yet we're still putting it together and i know that it will be free and uh and so um anyway sherry and i will be the teachers at the beginning of this uh program that we're putting together but it will be a free bible academy available to anyone in the world around the world at the same point in time and we also want to say even though we're offering this free we are uh, we want to we want to open the invitation for people to sponsor this. This costs about fifty dollars per month per per student to facilitate this uh, Bible academy and we want to make it available to those who want to sponsor this sponsor a student. and we 're reaching over fourteen thousand people worldwide through these uh, messages and do this and we 're going to make this available to everyone worldwide so you can just imagine the the, the volume of uh, income that we could use to help uh, support this ministry and to provide this Bible classes free. So we're trusting God to put it on people's hearts to sponsor this ministry, this Bible academy. And so, if you can simply go to our website, at org, go to our give page, and we have a, a section there for the sponsor uh, students. And so, anyway, we appreciate you for doing that. And uh, anyway. Without what I'm going to do, we're going to be go back in the Bible study tonight on effortless Change. Like I said, we're going to be in chapter 17. The title of this chapter is called Less. Now, that might sound like a strange title, and we'll get into that in just a second. Uh, you know, effortless Change, even that sounds like a strange title. We've been talking about the parable of the sower, and the parable of the sower is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which are called the Synoptic Gospels, and I think we've basically been reading out of Mark's uh, version of the, of the story. And at the same point in time, Jesus made this statement. He said, this parable is a parable of all parables. If you can't understand this parable, you can't understand any other parables. So that, that, that puts a lot of pressure on this one parable. And so we've been dissecting this parable little by little. And it, basically the parable is sower of the seed, who sowed the seed of God's word, one seed, on four different kinds of soil. And we've been looking at the various different kinds of soil. And it's in that context that Andrew has this chapter. We're, we're getting, uh, we're, we're rounding third base, heading home on this. And we're, uh, I think we've got 20 chap- 19 chapters. We're in chapter 9, 9, 17. So we are nearer the end than we are the beginning. And so I bring it into the climax of this book. And, and uh, they're wrapping up this book pretty soon here. Andrew has this chapter on less. and and in context of talking about the parable of the sower, so without uh without further ado we're just going to jump right in and you have
1: and you know i know we've we've talked uh about this effortless change that andrew is teaching on and it's and it's basically getting god's word in you and it's god's word that does the changing on the inside of us um but I just wanted to piggyback from Dave's message this morning on righteousness. You know, it is God doing the work on the inside of us. Uh, in Second Corinthians 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is, is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And when you drop down to verse 21, For he, that's talking about God, made him jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of god in him and to me that is uh, part of that foundation that dave was speaking on this morning that we are righteous not because of us not because of the effort we do on the outside but because of jesus on the inside working in and through us and uh, becoming sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Um, anyways, that just hit me. I know we've we've talked uh, a lot these however many weeks on effortless change, uh, but it's amazing what God does in us, through us, and for us, all because of Jesus Christ.
0: All, right, well, all good stuff. So let's go ahead and jump right down here. Uh, the title of this chapter again is called Less.
1: There was only one soil that really produced the intended fruit. It's this last type of heart that the Word of God was sown in. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the Word and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some hundred. Mark 4:20. We all want to be this last type of ground. We all want to produce an abundant crop of good fruit. However, the best... Type of ground didn't have more it had less when the lord showed this truth to me i was just starting out in ministry it impacted me deeply because i was acutely aware that i was just a hick from texas my voice is not what you would call a voice for radio and television god chooses the weak things of this world to confound the wise first corinthians 1 26 and through 28 If I were picking people to be on radio and television, I wouldn't have picked me. That's for sure. So I was acutely aware of all these liabilities. My voice, the way I look, that I'm hick from Texas. And I don't have the charisma that a lot of other people do. Because of this, I honestly doubted that God could use me. But the Lord really encouraged me through this parable. He showed me that it was the seed, the word, that produced the fruit. And the ground that produced the best fruit wasn't the ground that had more, it was the ground that had less. Less stones, less thorns, and less weeds. The real productive soil wasn't soil that had more than everything else, it was the soil that had less. This told me that I didn't necessarily need all of these external talents that people normally put emphasis on in order to be fruitful. It's really just a matter of the heart. If I would rid myself of the stones, thorns, and weeds, I could bear much fruit. I just needed to eliminate the things that occupy my attention and devote myself completely to God. If I put the Word of God first place in my heart, then that Word would produce an abundant harvest in my life. This really encouraged me. I prayed, God... If what really makes your word become fruitful is being less, then I can certainly be less. I may not be able to be more, but I can definitely be less. I can get rid of these things that hinder me. You may not feel like you're the sharpest knife in the drawer. You may be acutely aware that you have all kinds of liabilities that other people don't have. Yet you can commit yourself to the word of God and meditate on it until... God's Word takes deep root in your heart. You can refuse to allow anything else to divert your attention or sap the strength of your heart that could be going toward the Lord. If you devote yourself completely to the Lord and His Word, God's Word will make you a success. It will cause fruit to come in whatever area He has called and anointed you to minister.
0: Okay, so again, we're an this change. We're talking about the parable of the sower, and this particular chapter, we're talking about less. In this particular chapter, we're talking about less, and more specifically, we're talking about the good soil. There's four, the seed of God's word fell on four kinds of soil, and now we're getting to the good stuff. We're getting to the seed that fell on the good soil. Yeah, it sounds like a strange title, less, but Andrew is bringing out hints from his own testimony when he first started out in the ministry and whatnot. You know, he critiqued himself, kind of like Moses, oh, I can't speak, and Andrew was critiquing his own voice, and, and some other attributes that he thought he didn't have, or did have, that were just wrong or whatnot. He even made the statement, if, I, if he had picked someone to be on radio, he would not have picked him. And so, but it wasn't... One of the things I want to piggyback on, and I, I critique myself in very similar ways, and whatnot. I haven't been on radio, but we are on Facebook. You are reaching 14,000 people every week. <coughs> and sometimes I don't always feel like the sharpest knife in the drawer or the brightest crayon in the box, you know. But it's not about that. And I, I just like something he said here, if I can find it again. But it's basically the principle that, you know, if God's Word will do the work. If we will just commit ourselves to God's Word, God's Word will effortlessly change us. God's word will effortlessly change us to be able to be used in ministry. God's word will effortlessly change us. It doesn't. It may not seem like effortless from one point of view, but it's God's word that's going to change you. And it's God's word that's going to. It's God's word that you speak and preach and teach and live on and act on. That's going to change the world. You don't have what it takes to change people's lives. But God's Word in you does. And if you will meditate God's Word, if you will have a relationship with God's Word, if you will speak God's Word, God's Word is enough to change a life. Don't underestimate the power of God's Word. You know, sometimes when we we get our religion in the way, we get our talents in the way, we get our... uh, this in the way and that in the way, or denominations in the way. We think that we don't have enough so we can't do this and that or whatnot. All you need, really, is God's Word. God's Word is enough to change your life, and God's Word in you and through you is enough to change other people's lives. God's Word is enough. You don't have to be the sharpest knife in the door. You don't have to have a lot of money. You don't have to have this and that. You need to have God's word and act on God's word. Because if you have God's word and you act on it, whatever you need, when you need it, you can have it to do what God's called you to do. This seed of God's word is powerful. And it can produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. And one of the principles that Andrew's bringing out early on in this chapter is that it's not the soil that had more, more talents, more stones, nor more weeds, more this, more that. It was a soil that actually had less. It had less. It looked like less on the uh, uh, on the surface and whatnot. You know, when we were, Chad and I went to Idaho uh, a month ago or so. Uh, uh, it seems like time flies fast. But anyway, we we were we uh, we followed our GPS and we were going to go uh, see this uh, birds of paradise. I don't know what it called it. Anyway, like
1: the birds of prey sanctuary. Bur-
0: and we, so we followed the GPS, we went out into the boonies, and we thought it was nothing. And some of the fields it looked like, it just looked, it looked very desperately to me. It just, it just seemed to be, not just rural, but it just seemed to be barren land. But in the, in the area where we were led, in the midst of all this, what appeared to be nothing, were all these potato fields. And it looked like nothing to me, but we, we saw trucks and Tractors and different things, and they were pl- 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 plowing these fields or, or gathering the harvest. By I mean, it was by the millions of potatoes, and uh, I mean it, Idaho's called a potato state, you know. And so we knew, we knew, we knew that, but we never knew what a potato field looked like, and uh, and these potato fields they just look like a bunch of nothing, but. Uh, the farmers, they, they had all the all the land they could think of because it. I mean, it just seemed like it go. It went all this nothing went everywhere in every direction, but it it wasn't the it wasn't the soil the soil with more. It was actually the soil with less. They had all these potatoes, and anyone who knows me, I love potatoes. I'm a Cherry when she prayed for her husband some day, she wanted him to be a meat and potatoes guy. Well, that's what she got meats and potatoes, guys. I'm a meat guy, I'm a potato guy, and uh, I know different people have different diets. Well, I I'm I have the diet. If I like it, I eat it. If I don't like it, I don't eat it. And it, 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 it ends and starts there. And you might not agree with me, that's fine. But uh, I haven't been sick since 2009. I haven't had a need to see a doctor since 2002. And so uh, we're, 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 you know, maybe I'm wrong, but don't wake me up. So, anyway. Uh, but my point is, it's not. I'm just trying to piggyback on what Andrew's saying here, is that it's not the soil with more, it's the soil with less. Less of us and more of him. All we need is God's word. All we need is God's word. I want that to sink in, including my own head. We need to realize all we need is a word from God. All we need is God's word. And is enough? One word from God can change your circumstances. One word from God can change everything you're going through. One word from God can change the world, can change the nations. One word, and you just need God's word, It's a seed. It might start in seed form. but It's powerful. You don't need more talents. You don't need more of this. You need more of God. You know, sometimes when when we think of God's calling and purpose on our life, sometimes we look at our talents. And God may very well have given you a talent that you exceed in and is going to use you in that field. But sometimes, and I think actually the majority of the time, God will call you to do something that you don't even have the talent to do. You don't even have the resources to do. You don't even have the ability to do. You don't even have the know-how and the resources to do it. You don't even have the coordination to do it. Because you're going to depend on God to do it. And that... I'm not saying that God can't use your talents. I believe a lot of our talents are God-ordained. But I also believe that God sometimes ordains us to do something that we are not even qualified in any way, shape, or form to do it. But we have to do one thing, depend on God. And it will seem like we will do the thing that we thought we could never do effortlessly. That's God. And most of the time, I believe God calls us to do something that we don't even have the talents to do. I'm not saying He doesn't do it. It's beautiful when He gives the talents. But I'm just saying it's also beautiful. when. So it's not based on you. It's not based on the talents you have or don't have. If God's called you to do it, then you have not. The only thing that's holding you back from doing what God's called you to do is. If God's called you to do it, the only thing that's holding you back to doing that is you. Okay? I don't care what anyone else says. I, I, you know, I, get, I mentioned this recently, but I was listening to a, a, a Jesse Duplantis. It was just a little uh, one-minute, two-minute uh, little a blurb on Facebook. And he was talking about, he was comparing, <coughs> he was talking about how, how we have all these denominations and whatnot. And so many, most people, they're not looking for a word of God. They're looking for an opinion. And they want... They're only good opinion of God is as long as it satisfies their religion or their whatever. And he was going on and on and, and he, it wasn't a long spill I and mean, maybe I'm chopping it up right now but he just made a point made a point. he says, you know what? When I would post someone and, and they said, but I believe this. He goes, no, I don't care what you believe. What did God say? Because some of us only want religion. only want Christianity. We only want an opinion of God. We, but God's not an opinion. God is a living reality, and I believe it's important to believe God. But I, I don't. And when it comes down to it, I really, I I'm with trustee Duplantis. I don't care what you believe, and I don't care what I believe. I want to know what God said, because what God says matters. If your opinion doesn't match up with God says, I, I don't care about your opinion. If my opinion doesn't match up with God says, my opinion means nothing. I want to know what God said, because if God said we can do it, God says we can do it. I don't care if when we send the 12 spies out, 10 come back with an evil report that says that we can't do it. If God says we can do it, we can do it. I don't care if we look at like grasshoppers in their eyes or in our own eyes. If God says we can do it, we can do it. <coughs> and so you, all you need is God's word to do what God's called you to do. You might not have this you might not have that but if you have god's word you have enough and you have more than the next person in in that situation in that context
1: dave's getting me fired up Uh, i just wanted to piggyback on um the less is more that andrew's talking about how andrew was saying that he didn't think highly of himself he wasn't to himself Thinking that he was attractive or had the best speaking voice he was some hick from from Texas yet God is using him vitally all by the Word of God that was planted in, in Andrew's heart and he had the heart the soil that that produced fruit and when you when you read the Word of God and you read the Old Testament all the heroes of faith Even Paul's own testimony uh, of himself. So many people, they they weren't anything special in their own eyes. Um, Look at Gideon. He he felt like he was the least of all his brothers. Yet God used him to uh, be a great leader. And uh, Esther, you know, she was put in a circumstance not of her own choosing. Uh, she had to be put before the king with all the the virgins in the land, and, and he chose a new wife. And she didn't feel like she was anything special. She was an orphan raised by her uncle, and yet God used her to save Israel. Uh, you know, Dave referred to Moses. Moses didn't think highly of himself. He tried to use every excuse in the book for God not to use him. And God used him mightily you know if I mean that's just a just a drop in the bucket of the different pairs of faith in the Old Testament but Paul the Apostle if you look at his story you're I mean I'm just amazed almost all of the the New Testament yes some of the others like Peter um, wrote some of the books of the New Testament but Paul himself he, he went after Christians. He, he sent Christians by who knows how many hundreds to death, thinking that he was righteous and doing the right thing, uh, condemning these Christians right and left. Uh, and yet, God used him mightily. He, he not only uh, saved Paul, but... I mean we get the book of Romans from Paul we get all these epistles you know uh, Corinthians Ephesians Philippians Colossians I mean just a lot of scripture of wealth godly wealth and wisdom from Paul's writings that were inspired by God but in first Corinthians 2 this is this is from Paul's own uh, own lips and I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul himself is saying, "Hey, I didn't come to you, you know, all uh, great with with speech, and I came, you know, af- afraid and trembling, and uh, but it's it's all Jesus Christ. He he put the focus on Jesus and and Jesus crucified in Paul." The, the word of God the living word of God Jesus Christ was what made the difference in Paul that Jesus Christ in Paul is what saved people and, and spoke to the different churches that Paul ministered to and it was because the word of God came into Paul's life and made the difference
0: all right, good stuff. And it looks like I'm not paying attention. I am. I'm just responding. We've got multiple platforms where our teachers go on, and so I'm responding to people and whatnot. So that's I'm actually involved, I'm actually connected to many of you. So, uh, so don't get uh, 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 distracted by that, okay? Uh, but so let's go ahead and continue. The next section here it is an asset. Luke's account says, "But that on the good ground are they
1: which." An honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Luke 8.15 If you stop and think about it, this whole parable has been about patience. It's been about a seed being planted and then reaping a harvest. Everyone who has ever dealt with seeds knows that you have to give that seed time to work. Time is actually an asset. It's a benefit to a farmer. It's not a negative, but a positive. When you put a seed in the ground, you don't know what's happening. But if you'll leave that seed in the ground, keeping it watered and weeded, God has made it so that over time it'll germinate and take root. The crop will come up and the fruit will mature. Time is actually a benefit. Instead of looking at time negatively, you need to see it as a friend. After speaking along these lines about growth, the growth process and it taking time, I remember one of our Bible college students getting mad and saying, I don't have 10 years to mature. God has told me that I'm supposed to lead a million people to the Lord. Jesus is coming back soon. So in spite of all the scriptures that talk about not putting a novice in position of authority, of authority, all the scriptures that speak of growth over time, this guy just determined that he was going to violate all of that and that he was going to get it done on his own. He actually quit school so that he could go ahead and change the world in a short period of time. This was years ago and it hasn't come to pass yet. He saw time as a negative and had the attitude, I can't afford to wait. Now that I've been in the ministry for over 40 years, I look at time as an asset. I've been sowing the Word of God in my life for decades. I've been meditating on these truths for years. I'm still reaping today. Because of the time that I've invested in the kingdom of God decades ago.
0: Okay. You ever been sure out the back? Uh
1: yeah, actually, you know, this makes me think of, of John fifteen about abiding in the vine. Um, you know, we're to abide in Jesus, him him and us and, and us in him. He he is the vine, he's he's the root system that has all the nutrients And everything we need for life and godliness, but we have to be attached to Him. And as any farmer knows, uh, just like Andrew was talking about, how the the farmer plants the seed and then waits for that growth to happen. You know, as the as the branch on that vine, we can't do anything by ourselves. It's only by being in the vine, being attached, being thoroughly abiding in Him that the branch can grow and flourish and bear fruit you know if you look at Jeremiah uh 17 i think it's verse 7 and 8 as well as in psalm 1 you know the the blessed man uh he's like that fruitful tree that's planted near the water whose roots go deep all because of getting rooted and grounded in christ then it says that the blessed man bears fruit and, and doesn't see when, when drought or anything comes and always has green leaves. You can't get any of that. You can't get growth if you're not in God's word. You know, a fruit tree, for any of you who have ever grown fruit um, or a or garden at all, You know a fruit tree you can go to say a nursery and buy a a fruit tree but it takes at least around three years before a seedling tree can bear fruit you know my my grandpa uh, took an avocado seed and he uh, from a seed grew an avocado tree but it was it took some years before it could produce because Every, everything that that seed that that avocado tree needed was in that seed but it needed to be planted it needed to be watered it needed to be nurtured it needed to let the, the Sun um, uh, shine on it to get nutrients it, it, it needed to establish its root system and grow strong enough and and then in that time frame uh, it bore fruit my grandma, uh, my other grandma on my dad's side, she had a a mandarin orange tree and it was, it was considered a dwarf. So it was a a smaller tree. It was uh, designed, if you will, to be a smaller tree for small spaces. And that tree was the best tree ever. It produced so much fruit and It was I mean, it was probably the best Mandarin oranges I had ever had in my life. You could In one city eat like 20 because they were so good and that tree Produced and produced and produced all because she took the time to take care of it pruned any branches that that needed to be pruned uh, to took, took care of it watered it uh, even at times uh, would take off some of the fruit because there was so much fruit so that the fruit uh, could could grow healthy because sometimes in a tree you need to allow light and and air and different things to, to come in um, that's not the case spiritually we can we can have as much fruit as as, uh, as possible because we're in God's word but a, a living tree needed that Time to to mature and even looking at myself 10 years ago me teaching a Bible study I could have probably done it but not not a lot of uh, people would have walked away feeling like they were fed now I feel like I have something to offer because I have been in God's word I, I have been to Bible college I I've read God's word for myself. I've gotten revelation of God's word for myself. I've talked it over scripture with, with Dave and, and different um, mentors and my, and my parents and let God's word take root in me and that fruit, now I'm able to share with others.
0: You know, uh, even going back to the avocado tree you know, that her grandfather had uh, I been mean planted and became a tree. If I recall, right, because we were staying with her grandmother for about uh, five years between 2009, 2013, and I thought her grandmother said that that tree actually had a, uh, it produced twice a year, which was, uh, seemed to be abnormal and whatnot. Anyway, it was a healthy tree. I'm not a big avocado guy, uh, but everyone raked about the, the, the flavor of that particular avocado tree. You know, a lot of what we're talking about right now is seed time and harvest, and and you, you know with seed time and harvest you can't cheat the time part. It's seed, time, and harvest. Three aspects. You know there's so many different ways that we can, in one sense, cheat in life. And on the seed, on the seed. I mean, today we have all kinds of technology. We have a lot of farms here in, in the surrounding Camarillo area. You know, and they have all kinds of equipment and whatnot to to to. Um, to plant the seeds, and they also have all these equipment and whatnot to harvest the, the crops, just like what we told you about these potato farms in Idaho. But, excuse me. But the, the, the only part that you can't speed up or make go faster or use the machinery to, to expedite is time. It just takes time for a seed to grow and mature and produce good fruit. But if we will spend time <coughs> with God, if we will spend time with God's Word, if we will spend time on a good teaching, a good pastor, uh, good leadership, uh, and, and a good personal devotional time of God, that's not just quick, but it's, uh, it's just a quality time. You know, we will put. We will see a harvest in our life. We will see, in a sense, that effortless change that this book is talking about. There's a. You know, the Bible says that we have to labor to enter into that rest. And that sounds like an oxymoron. How do you labor to enter into the rest? There's a rest for the people of God, but we have to sometimes labor to enter into that rest. You know. Sherry and I went on a vacation a few weeks ago to Idaho, Idaho, and we actually worked extra hours ahead of time so that when we were on the trip, we could actually enjoy the trip. We had the labor to enter into a rest, and this is from a natural point of view. It's not exactly what I'm referring to with the scriptures, but it was a lot of labor. We worked a lot of overtime, extra hours to be able to afford a trip, not only afford the trip itself, but also afford... The time off, uh, and so you know we she Sherry was working, uh, twelve hour days, uh, five days a week, and I was working. I mean, I have always worked about that much, uh, and so that didn't really change too much. But I'm used to that. With her, and it was a, it was a stretch, and so you know it's like it's like. In the last two days, we went we did some hiking. We did a little bit of hiking this afternoon, but we went on a little more strenuous hike yesterday, and. I we're both out of shape. I would say I'm more out of shape than Sherry, and she's like she's always like let's go do it. And I'm like dragging my heels on some of these hikes, and we were both dragging our heels out to the hike because we were just worn out. We were we even went to a little cave and we had to do a little bit of rock climbing. It would most people probably wouldn't consider rock climbing, but we had to climb rocks. So uh, we didn't have no ropes and stuff. It wasn't that high up. It wasn't dangerous. But same point in time. We, we uh, for a part of it, we were on our hands and knees just for a little bit, and uh, and so we went up a couple steep hills and uh, and whatnot, and uh, there a lot of people out there, so it was not something that we were just doing uh, foolishly, but you know it, we were we we felt some muscles that we hadn't felt in a while that were saying hello, and uh, you know it, it was a labor, but you know what, sometimes even after that, even though we. Our muscles are tired and sore we actually feel good a little bit afterwards our body actually got some exercise and we got some being outdoors and whatnot we had the labor to enter into a rest and i know that might be a bad illustration but uh you know it just uh, my sometimes when you uh i guess the point i was trying to do with the hiking thing is that when you haven't used muscles in a while certain muscles you know they feel a little tender uh and sore and whatnot but you know our faith our walk with God you know if we we can grow we can nurture that walk with God and when we when we do so it will feel like an effortless change when I'm trying to say God's Word when we have a relationship with God's Word we allow it to plan our hearts and we begin to exercise what does faith come from the Word of God by having a relationship with God, and His Word, we are also going to be exercising our faith. It, our faith is going to come alive. You know, Sherry just mentioned a minute ago when I <coughs> me when I was sharing that uh, I got her fired up. Well, what was getting her fired up really? It wasn't me. It was the word that I was preaching. It was the message I was saying. It was, uh, and it, it just began to strike a chord. You know, even the day of my preaching this morning, I got fired up. I preached myself happy, and so. You know, the Word of God will do that. And it's like coals on a fire. It will just, uh, I mean, even Jeremiah says that the Word of God is like a fire. The book of Hebrews says it's an all-consuming fire. And so, you know, uh, anyway, I I thought I could get off track here a little bit. But, you know, um, the title of the section was It's Asset," And something that, if you've been following Sherry and I at any length of time, we are big on having a relationship with God. We are big about having a relationship with God's Word. And it's about consistency. It's about quality. It is about quantity, but it's about quality. And it's about, you know, it's, just a, it's, it's a relationship. You know, something that's once in a while, to me, is not really a relationship. Maybe some friendships are that way because you're separated by distance or busyness. You know, so you can't get together all the time. You know, so we're getting closer to the holidays. So a lot of us are getting together with families, I and mean, we, ha- we only see once a year or whatnot, you know. And I'm not saying we don't have a relationship with them, or we do, but the people we see every day or every week, I have, in some ways, I'm, I'm, I want to say, I'm, I almost want to say better relationship with them because I see them more. It's not because they're more important, our families are sometimes more important than the ones that we see every day at work and different things. But, uh, uh, you know, I feel like I have a more working relationship with those who I see regularly, even if it's in our in business or working environment, than I do with family and friends that I might see only once a year, you know? And so it doesn't mean I... And I might cherish the family and friends more, and I value those friendships more, but the other ones are... And I'm just trying to say, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to make one better than the other. It's just the way life is. And we all, I think we can all uh, connect with that. I, I know some cultures and some, uh, you know, the family is just a big thing. I mean, they do everything together as a family. I mean, we went hiking today. We saw a pretty good, I imagine they were all family, but you know, some families just do everything together. There's some TV shows Sherry and I have liked in the past and whatnot. And something that we like most about them is not so much the action and even the story. Or even the show itself so much. We just like it that they were a team. We just like it that they got along. We just like how the family connected. And we know it's just a show. You know, it's it's, 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 it's fiction. But at the same point in time, you know, it's uh, that, that excites us. We love the, that team atmosphere. I don't know where I'm going with this. But uh, anyway, it just... I guess I'm trying to use these examples. We need to have a relationship with God that's real, that's authentic. We are a team. We are a team with God. We are a family with God. We are united with God. And we're only going to get as much out of this relationship with God that we put into it and we receive. Just like family and friends. You know, in some ways it's a pity that we only see our families and friends once a year every so often. In some ways that's pitiful. Uh, in some ways, it's just the way it is, but I get that, but, you know, um, but you know what? Uh, some friendships, no matter how far we, we found ways to get together, we found ways to connect, you know, and so, you know, uh, Miles sometimes didn't separate that. You know, there have been times where Sherry and I had be separated because of some circumstances, but we still got on the phone, we still wrote letters, we did stuff, um, uh, and so, uh, that wasn't going to keep us from being connected. And so that just, I mean, anyway, I do a lot more I can say about that. But I'm just big on a relationship with God. But uh, I, I think it got me on this path a little bit, is that, you know, those who are not connected too much, there's really not a lot of a relationship there. And we might be relatives, we might be family, but if you're not connecting, where where is the relationship? You know, and then, is it just because you're a family or is it because you guys are actually doing stuff together? And I'm not and I'm not picking on anything. I'm just like I'm really trying to pick you back on my relationship with God. And we're only gonna get as out of it what we put into it. And we're not gonna see in a sense this effortless change, this asset that that this benefit of the parable of the sower of the good seed if we are not now sowing god's word into our heart and to our life on a regular consistent and quality basis and so uh, you know and sherry shares some things with her but you know um we have all we both have spent a lot of time in god's word and was sharing some things and especially between 2009 and 2013 i spent I was looking for jobs at the time. I was jobless. We were homeless, and I think, and we were looking for work and we were looking for jobs. I, you know, I was filling out application after application. I, I hit every every job, every McDonald's, every Taco Bell, every In and Out, every any job you could think of. I was with thirty Tim agencies. I was filling out applications. I mean, I mean, I could. I was doing applications in my sleep. I was doing so many of them. I only needed one job. But I wasn't even giving an interview. But during that time in between, because I was going crazy looking for work, I was also um, spending a lot of time in God's Word. And as on one side of the fence, it was the mo- one of the most bitter times we had, dry times we had. It was a famine for us financially. But it was also one of the best times in my life. Cause I spent, there was times I spent 16 hours a day just in God's Word. Those were rich times. That's where I got the revelation of righteousness that I'm preaching on right now on Sunday mornings. You know, God, it, and during that time, it was, it was horrible, but at the same point in time, it was also revolutionary to our lives. And we went from there to go to Bible college. When we went to Bible college, we both went four hours a day, four days a week. You can't go to Bible, you can't be in God's Word four, day, four days a week, four hours a day in God, and it not change your life. You cannot have that much of God's word in your heart and your life and then not be revolutionary. You know, and, and it, it was, it was, it was one of the best times of our lives. I was talking with someone about revival this week and they were critiquing, well, the word revival is not in the word of God. Well, sure, it's not in the word of God. You won't find the word itself, but neither will you find the word Trinity. But you'll find the Trinity in the Word of God. You'll find the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the Word of God. You'll never find the Word itself Trinity. But I believe in the Trinity and I believe that the concept, principle of the Trinity is in the Word of God. And I see revival. And I said when I got born again there was a revival in my heart. When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, there was a revival in my life. In high school we had a revival. And in our lives, when we went to Bible college, we had a revival in our lives. And this church—I mean, just a year ago, we only had a hundred people following us at most online. Now we have fourteen thousand people worldwide following us. I don't—you can call it what you want to call it, but I call it a revival. And so our lives are being changed. And so there's a lot I can share about this. But and I, again, I don't even know where I'm going with all this. But God—you cannot be in God's Word and then not change your life. And so. It you, uh, God, you can't have too much of it. I had someone critique me a few years ago as a pastor. Said, "Dave, you're using too much scripture." <clears throat> they took it as something critical. I'm just like, man, thank you. That's the best compliment I've ever received in my my ministry. Cause it was a compliment. If I'm going to be guilty as a pastor for using too much scripture, then then I'm guilty, you know, guilty as charged. But I don't want to be in their ministry when they're not using scripture. You know, and and uh, and you know, how can you? I I, I can't even bat him. I can't agree. I can't even, I can't even comprehend uh, someone thinking that someone uses too much scripture. There's been a lot of churches through the years where they don't use any scripture at all. That's and, and I'm just like, so this is not a social club. Uh, I don't really care about your opinion if if, if I, we're not going to hear what God's word has to say. And so.
1: You know, piggybacking on this time process, on this disciple, this discipling process, you know, that Dave and Andrew have, have talked about in this section, you know, j- just look at the, the 12 disciples. They walked with Jesus for three and a half years, and yes, there were times he sent them out two by two, but it was a learning process. It was like a hands-on. They, as they were being taught and and learning, and uh, he would teach them. They would go out and put it into into practice. They would come back and share results. He would teach them some more. They would they went out, and yet they always came back to to learn and glean from from Jesus. And it wasn't until Jesus went to the cross and ascended that the Holy Spirit was poured out on them, that's when their ministries took off. It, it you know Paul didn't just get uh, knocked down by the blinding light and, and come to Jesus and start uh, writing the book of Romans and different things. He himself even took, I believe it was three years, um, yeah. three and a half years, where he learned and took that time to, to learn god's word for himself and you know not we shouldn't despise the time it takes uh to to be in god's word because that's when we're most fruitful and um you know i I, i'm we're in a we live in a day and age where we want things and we want things now we have microwaves to heat up our, our food faster we have Cars, so that we can get from point A to point B faster, instead of a horse and buggy or our own two feet. You know, we have airplanes now and different things. And and people are like, you know, I I want it now. I want my coffee now. I want this now. I want my bills paid now. I want my paycheck now. And yet they're they're we and I'll just put me too in it because I I know Dave and I want some things now. But that that time of being in God's word and letting it bear fruit in us is so valuable that I mean we, we can't uh, we we can't we shouldn't put put time down. I, I know it can be hard, but it's so beneficial. Looking in Second Peter, uh, I'll go ahead and read verse two. Um, i'll go ahead and, and read verses two three and four grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of god and of jesus our lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You know, this is awesome. It talks about God's, God's divine power being given to us so that we can have all these great and precious promises. But in the middle of this verse, it says, Through the knowledge of Him, capital H, Him, meaning Jesus, It's through the the word of God in us, through the knowledge of being in God's word, that we are able to use everything that pertains to life and godliness. If we we weren't in God's word, if we didn't know God's word, we wouldn't know what we had. We, We wouldn't know that we have the power of God, the same power of God that raised Jesus from the dead in us, helping us make a difference in the world we we need that knowledge of him and to know and have that living relationship that that dave talked about earlier uh with the word of god with with god with jesus christ the lord with the
0: holy spirit awesome how are we doing on time we got seven minutes Seven minutes okay so I guess we can read it
1: out. Alright. Once a seed is sown, it'll grow and multiply over time. Consider the dandelion. If you were to sow a dandelion seed in your yard, over time, that dandelion would produce itself and completely fill your yard. That's how seeds work. Time is actually a friend to a seed because it allows reproduction and multiplication. Don't think... Oh, man, I have to spend time growing, maturing, and letting the Word take root on the inside of me. View time positively. Every second you spend meditating in the Word of God and planting these seeds in your heart, you're starting in motion a process that cannot be stopped. Seeds are powerful. It's been over 20 years since Mount St. Helens erupted. Because of the devastation... All the scientists back then were predicting that it would take hundreds of years for the area to reforest itself for the animals to come back and for the flowers to return now they're just shocked that things are so regenerated after only a little more than 20 years time it's far beyond everyone's expectations they didn't understand the power that's in seeds there was so much heat and so much mudslides Yet those seeds were doing what God created them to do. They started producing, and by the very next year, there were already signs of regeneration sprouting up here and there. God has put seeds in His Word. We need to take these seeds, plant them in our heart, and just leave them there. If we keep the Word of God fresh and alive on the inside of us, it will continue benefiting us 20, 30, even 50 years from now, should the Lord tarry. This is how the kingdom of God works. Once you understand this principle, you can take the word of God, sow it in your life, and keep it there. Instead of being discouraged that it takes time to grow, you can be encouraged. Once you get this system going, and you've invested that time, the word of God will just supernaturally change you. You'll be changed effortlessly by the word of God. They'll just spring forth and grow up in your life. You'll be transformed. I believe, uh, excuse me, I live in the mountains of Colorado. There is a 250 foot vertical rise from the road that runs in front of our house up to our house. Our property is so steep it's hard to walk on, especially in winter with the snow. Add to that the fact that our altitude is 9,000 feet and it really taxes your breathing to climb these hills. Therefore, I decided to build a trail that switched back across my property so I could walk up and down without losing my breath. I started building that trail by just using hand tools in 1994. Most of my property is decomposed granite, and I averaged only 10 feet per hour. My trail is 2.5 miles round trip, so it looked like it was going to take me forever to finish that trail. I worked on it until it was completed in 2000 and still maintain it today. I tell you this story to make a point. Now, every time I go walking on my trail, I am reaping the benefits of the labor I did back in 1994 to 2000. Yes, it took me six years to build that trail, but I've been using it for many years now. That wasn't wasted time. I'm reaping... (coughs) Excuse me. I'm reaping benefits from that investment of time every day. Likewise, the time you take getting God's word rooted and grounded in you isn't wasted time. You will reap its rewards for the rest of your life.
0: <coughs> you no, know, there's just there's just so much that I can pick you back on here. We're almost out of time here, but you know, just that, <coughs> the title of the section was reproduction and multiplication. You know, you know the kingdom of God, and I've done a message on this before. And we actually had a message from uh, one of our speakers at Bible College, Barry Bennett, about just how the kingdom of God is a kingdom of increase. And you know, God has, you know, going back to creation, back in Genesis, God created everything to produce and reproduce and to multiply. But everything that is called to multiply, every seed will produce according to its kind. But everyone, it will take, if seed time and harvest. You know, a child it takes nine months in the womb for a child to be born into human. for a dog, a cat, a monkey, a goose. The time, the time frame might be different. Uh, but God has called everything to produce, and you know, in those nine months while the mothers is pregnant, you know, there's a lot of labor going on. Not just the, the, the day when they go into labor, but there's a lot of labor and uh, the, in the front, from morning sickness all the way down to the, the, the birth, you know. But is it worth it? Yeah. It's worth it. It must <coughs> be worth it for that child to be born. And I have a teaching in the past where I, I, where I, talk, I call it the miracles in the journey. Where, you know, we all celebrate the birth of a child, but the, 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 the miracle didn't take place uh, necessarily at the birth of the child. That is part of the miracle, but the miracle has been taking place for the last nine months where it was fearfully and wonderfully made in the womb of the mother. And so, you know, our lives are a journey. And uh, by the same point in time, I know one thing Andrew's trying to bring out over and over again in this chapter, you know, uh, it's just that uh, we have to sometimes, lay, you know, he talked about this trail that it took him six years to make. But he uses that all the time for prayer walks and different things that he uses. And, uh, you know, we might have to labor again to enter to his rest. But his rest is so awesome. Just being in his presence and resting. You know, we had to take, we drove all night to go to Idaho uh, a few weeks ago. and I could have just taken a, a day of our, of our vacation to, to, to drive there. And I could have taken a day to drive back. And then we would have shorter time up there and i wanted to have as much time to enjoy in idaho and it was a tough driving all night it was tough at times we pulled over i take a nap and we go we go a few more miles well a lot more miles but a few more hundred miles but excuse me so why did i when i why did i labor why did i put myself through that because I wanted to enjoy as much as Idaho as I could, for as long as we could, we would go again in a heartbeat. You know, it was a, it was we were anxious to get there, and we were kind of dragging our heels coming home. But at the same point in time, we don't that we don't like our home. It's not that we don't like our family, and never been here, but we liked Idaho, and so we 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 don't go go on a lot of vacations. We go on too too little, and so we wanted to enjoy as much of it there. I labored. So that we can enjoy as much as Idaho as we could. And did we? We enjoyed every moment of it, okay? And so, uh, my point again is you know, there's a lot of seed, there's a lot of things we can sow. Spending time in God's Word. There's nothing that you do in your relationship with God, whether that's spending time with Him, being in the Word, going to church, hearing the Bible being taught, ministering to other people. And that can come in a lot of different ways, shapes, and sizes. It's not just behind a pulpit or a missionary. You can the you know, the term minister means a servant. We can serve people. We can help people. We can we can clothe people. We can meet people's needs. We can do all kinds of stuff. And there's nothing that you do for God. There's nothing you do with God that is ever going to be wasted time. And I don't know about you, but I got a lot of seed in the ground. And it's a good thing. It's God's seed. It's it's a good thing, and there's harvest. and and uh, you know, it just I don't. Know. There's just so much I want to share, and I don't. I feel like if I start sharing, that, I'll go down a rabbit hole, and it will spend hours talking, and it's what we're talking about. But it's just uh, God has called us to reproduce. God's called us to multiply, and He can take the seed that we've sown. He can take the things that we've done uh, that He's called us to do, and He can multiply it. For his kingdom.
1: Anyway. No, amen. We just pray that uh, you spend time in God's word. And uh, bear much fruit. As you abide in him.
0: Okay. Well I think we're out of time. We're both getting actually a little tired. So I apologize for that. Uh, maybe we went too straight as a today. But anyway. Uh, God bless you guys. We'll see you on Wednesday. Uh, we'll have our Bible study on the, uh, the believer's authority, and uh, we will again uh, Sunday. We'll continue our message on uh, being established in His righteousness. So anyway, God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday.